Welcome to the Pursuit of Wellbeing podcast. My name's Maria Brosnan. I'm the founder of Pursuit and your host for the show. This podcast is dedicated to providing well-being information, inspiration and support for teachers, leaders and school staff around the world. My guest today is Ernest Janavs. Ernest is the CEO of Adurio. Ernest is a co-author of Adurio's research on COVID-19 impact on schools in England, which had over 45,000 pupils, parents and staff take part across 277 schools, the largest comprehensive multi-stakeholder review of the COVID-19 impact on schools in England to date. He's a frequent public speaker in the UK and internationally on effective use of stakeholder feedback in schools. And Ernest leads Adurio's policy guidance and has advised a number of education systems, as well as participated in policy debates with the OECD and the European Commission. That's quite a mouthful. Ernest, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Lovely to be here. Thank you. Firstly, I just want to ask, just for people who might be listening from other parts of the world, just to explain what do you mean by stakeholder or multi-stakeholder? Who are we really talking about here? Of course. Uh, essentially, our work is about supporting school leaders by listening to those affected by their work. So uh, as an organization, we work with asking pupils, parents and staff members, uh, along other groups uh, sometimes, to share their views on how they are experiencing the learning process, the well-being side, the community side and other elements of the school experience. So it is about building an evidence base on those elements important for school leaders by asking those who experience it firsthand. So you've just done this huge piece of research. Can you tell us just a bit more about paint the, paint the picture? When did you do the research? Who was involved? And, and let's start to dig deep into what you found. Of course. So when in March uh, the lockdown uh, happened and COVID-19 kind of took over all our uh, news feeds and, and our uh, planning uh, work, etc. Uh, we wanted to support the schools that we were working with and uh, schools and multi-academy trusts that we uh, weren't working with yet. And so we tried to essentially say, well, what are the important elements of, uh, uh, of uh, maintaining uh, while working in a disrupted mode. And so we worked with United Learning, uh, a large multi-academy trust in the UK that we've been supporting for the last uh, years on gathering the stakeholder feedback uh, uh, across uh, all stakeholder groups. And uh, we worked together and we tried to define, okay, what is important? And we said there are four areas important um, while working through a disrupted uh, learning process. First is learning. So is learning continuing? Is learning happening? Second is well-being. Is everybody feeling uh, feeling safe, feeling re respected and, and, and feeling uh, like they are able to maintain their uh, emotional, uh, mental well-being? Third was community, which is in particular difficult to retain in a remote model. And the fourth was leadership. So uh, the work of the school leaders is more important than ever. And so we designed uh, a set of pupil, parent and staff member survey instruments to monitor those four elements and offered any school in England to take part. Uh, a lot of those for, were from multi-academy trusts, but also schools from uh, the, the local authority uh, uh, part, of the, part of the education uh, st structure and, and other schools. And so we had 45,000 respondents, so about 22,000 uh, um, 
parents, uh, about 14,000 pupils and about 8,000 staff members take part. And from that, we then published two reports. The first one was a status quo um, uh, of just saying what happened in this June to July period in England, which is when we ran the research. And then the second one was looking deeper at what actions by the school leaders drive those outcomes, draw, improve well-being, have, have correlation with better learning experience. So we try to move from this observational analysis to then trying to help school leaders figure out what works and come up with these two research papers. When you say what actions drive behaviours, um, it'd be great to just start to look at what, what were your key findings and what actions actually helped, especially in terms of leadership and what... Yeah, what supported everybody in those stakeholder groups? Of course. And I would like to say, before we kind of go into analyzing specific actions, mm. there is a positive message from the research, which was that the vast majority of staff members and parents said that their school is doing a good job at tackling the COVID-19 disruption. And the majority of pupils said they're coping well within the given environment. So while we know that there are a lot of challenges um, and as education leaders, we need to be responsible for everybody's experience, not just the majority, but there is a positive message that the stakeholders appreciate the work done by school leaders. While there are a lot of challenges that is understood and appreciated by everybody involved. Uh, and overall, the communities are able to uh, stay together and support each other. And so that, that's just something that I, I want to emphasize that in, when we read all the news of this going wrong and this going wrong, it's easy to lose track of the fact that there's a massive amount of work put in by school leaders throughout the country, and that is seen and that is appreciated. Yeah, I think that's a really great point to emphasise because I, I know personally know a lot of head teachers and senior leaders that are feeling so exhausted and burnt out and probably quite lonely as well. Like it's it's hard at the moment uh, yeah. in schools, and so to get that feedback that it's actually acknowledged and appreciated, the efforts that they're making is is a very important point. Absolutely. When we are facing a completely new situation for everybody, we can't expect to make all the right decisions and all the right choices um, but it is important that we support each other through this and and that is something that we saw and we continue uh, to see uh, as we work with uh, other schools and trusts uh, currently mm. uh, but if we talk about the kind of the concrete findings um, um, there's there's a few themes that I want to touch upon uh, one is communication which uh, which, is, which was the, the highlight of, of, of the work. Second is about how we involve the parents. Um, and third is specifically working, uh, thinking about the, the well-being uh, structure and the well-being support available for, 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 for staff members in schools. Uh, so th those are the main ones I'd like to emphasize. There are multiple other points that we can touch upon, uh, but, uh, but, but, but those are the three ones uh, I'd like to briefly talk through. Um, and communication is the one I'd like to start with because um, that is the easiest one to fix and improve uh, and also the most important one. So when things are uncertain, the thing appreciated and requested most by the staff members and parents and as well as pupils is 
just tell us what's going on. The, 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 the kind of the crippling feeling of anxiety is, uh, is it's enough that we don't know what's going on in the world and what's going on in the country. Uh, if we, any limited information that we have, if that is communicated fast and almost over-communicated to everybody involved, that boosts confidence and trust in, 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 in the school's ability to cope with the situation. So that's kind of message number one, which is, uh, even uh, when you don't know everything, there's a kind of tendency for us often to, to kind of feel like we, the leaders, need to make sure that we have all the right answers before we kind of position it to the, to the, to the staff members, to the, the parent community. And the message from the research is very clearly, tell, tell them what you know, but also tell them what you don't know and tell that frequently, because only through, that, through doing that, they will appreciate the challenges that you're facing better and also will be able to plan better around that rather than kind of being in this uncertainty where, well, we might find out some new things tomorrow, but, but not quite yet. That's kind of the first thing. Um, um, and, and I know, Marie, you saw the research as well. Is that something that you observed as, as well from the... Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And, but it's common sense, isn't it? When we're, you know, when it feels like we're standing on shifting sands, when we have some information, we can make choices. We, you know, that information is hugely important. And and I really like the point that you made that um, tell us what you don't know as well, <laughs> because we don't expect perfection. We don't expect you to be, you know, completely on it, because how can you be? The, the, the sands are shifting every day. Yeah, and it's always difficult for those Essentially, we've had a term of firefighting, of trying to react to the issues of the day. And I know that for school leaders, that's often the case in, in, in a regular uh, term. But now more than ever, there's been a reacting to constantly changing information, etc. And, and it's very easy to go from this problem to the next problem. And if you don't bring the staff along and the parent body involved, uh, then it's really easy to feel more isolated than you need to be and to, to, uh, to, to, to not alleviate some of the anxiety that the extra information could do. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Uh, so tell us then your, your next point. Yeah, so the so next point is, uh, I touched upon the communication with parents, but um, one of the things that we observed in the research is that the role of parents has fundamentally changed in education during this term, where there are no more what you could consider customers of education, but they're partners in, in education. Yeah. And uh, especially in primary school, um, their role in supporting their children, their role in observing how well their children are doing is now an important part of the education process. And for staff members uh, thinking about uh, the relationship with a parent body is is an important contributor to everybody's well-being, so both the parent and the staff member's well-being. Uh, and so those uh, schools that had uh, policies of saying, okay, well, now the parent is a partner in the education process. We don't only need to tell them what's going on, but we need to support them as uh, not replacing the teacher, but supporting the teacher uh, with uh, with providing the education to their child, and so that that would be the kind of the second message in think 
about the parent involvement in the education process more fundamentally and think about uh, how you can support them in trying a new skill that they have never had to do, which is an education uh, skill while juggling that with their full-time job, uh, because in a remote disrupted setup, uh, they will be a key influencer of, of what, how the child is experiencing the education experience. Absolutely. And, and also for those teachers and leaders that have their own children, and I have several personal friends, that it's a, it's a huge workload on, on teachers and leaders. You know, it's across everybody. So how, what, did you, what did your findings show about workload and how people felt about their workload? Absolutely. And, and that's where we uh, shift into the kind of third part of, of, of the, the main points, which is about uh, overall well-being support. But that also includes the, the workload support. Um, much like our past research, uh, workload ha highly correlates with well-being. So, and I don't say that workload in terms of hours, but workload in terms of feeling on top of things, feeling like you are able to complete what you set out to do and whether you're able to manage and stick to your deadlines and, and tasks. Uh, and so that's important to acknowledge that workload isn't just an absolute amount of hours that we need to think about. It's about what proportion of our day is spent dealing with tasks that we shouldn't be dealing with and what proportion is on task and how, how happy we are uh, feel, feeling with uh, what we've achieved. Um, like in the past, uh, workload is a challenging area. Uh, in education, this is particularly true for school leaders and IT technicians, where they've experienced uh, a massive increase in workload, where uh, school leaders have this massive additional set of responsibilities that they need to uh, take care of. And obviously, IT staff, uh, also that's something we need to acknowledge, are facing a lot of new challenges uh, and a lot of new concerns. Um, when we asked school staff about workload, it was interesting for us to observe that um, overall the results were more positive than our research prior to COVID-19. Um, but we also need to appreciate that this was during a period where different schools had very different approaches. So some didn't uh, didn't uh, ensure a direct learning experience to, to the pupils and just uh, sent materials home as supporting the, the self-education process. And some, did a, some had a different approach. Uh, but overall, in the summer term, uh, school staff uh, presented a more positive I shouldn't say more positive, a less negative picture on, on workload than they had uh, in the in the preceding terms. Uh, but where, but that still massively differed school by school. So we had schools where everybody was feeling really overworked, really burnt out, and not on top of things. And we had schools that felt in control. And so a lot of what the school does influences the uh, the, the, the workload uh, on staff. And. Uh, and where workload was most positive, that obviously had a massive positive correlation with overall emotional well-being of staff members and feeling on top of things. So that's workload from a staff perspective. From a pupil perspective and, and from asking the parents about the, the pupil's workload, that was where we actually did uh, ask how many hours per day on average did you spend on, on schoolwork uh, while working remotely. And we felt uh, we found that five to six hours was the most positive in terms of the learning progress 
and also the emotional well-being. So emotional well-being, three to six hours was the kind of the, the most positive. So if you only spent one to two hours on, on learning as a pupil, you, you were likely to have, experience more anxiety and stress than those who worked more. Uh, and those who, uh, over, who spent more than six hours, again, the, the well-being dropped. Um, and so that's, again, thinking about balancing the load for the pupils, that is the kind of workloads that seem to be optimal, both in terms of learning process and the well-being process. Yeah, I have personal experience of that. I have a nephew who, um, he's 15 and just was doing so little work despite my sister's best efforts. And he was getting increasingly anxious because he knew he should have been doing more and he just could not find it within himself to do it. And uh, so I can really relate to that increasing sense of um, yeah, anxiety and worry because you know that you're slipping behind. And what can schools do? I know that, and that's where the the the, the parent partnership and the schools working together and the pupils. How did you did you get any insights into what helps there? So, uh, a lot of pupils reported that they struggle to self motivate and work individually yeah. because that's not a skill that they've been. Exactly. learning right exactly. and so now that we are in a different stage of education where some schools are uh, fully isolated and working remotely some schools are in person uh, we can think about the future and when we think about the future we need to work on self-study skills uh, because that will in the next term or in the next year really that will be an on and off requirement so that is a, as an actual skill that needs to be developed the other part is the organizational part is how can we give maximum clarity for pupils so are all my teachers in in the school communicating to me as a pupil with a shared plan is there a clear plan for my week or the biggest challenge to kind of starting to feel like i'm i'm out of control is when i have three different teachers communicating to me in three different platforms. So somebody's sending me a WhatsApp, somebody's sending something through the LMS, somebody's sending an email to my parents and with, without coordination of what tasks I need to be working on. So uh, in order to support those people who are struggling, uh, it's easy to kind of fall into the, the mindset that, oh, they're enjoying their freedom of not having to come to school and, mm -hmm. and, and it, it's, uh, they've always wanted to slack off and not, not work. It's not the case. They're just not able to, they're not prepared for this new way of working. And as school leaders, we need to think about giving them clarity and support by structuring their day and their week, really. Yeah. Yeah, so helpful. And I'm sure that's helpful for everybody to know that, you know, the, the, obviously the clearer the picture for everybody, the, the better, the better it will work with no judgment, no blame, of course, because it was all just so sudden. So, but, but what can we learn from that? What can we take from this? We're recording this in um, end of October. And it looks like, of course, there's going to be disruption for the coming months for who knows how long. So, yeah, what do we learn from this and what, what can we take from it to do better going forward? That's all. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and that also, I mean, there are two elements. One is we are forced into the biggest experiment of the education journey in the last yeah. decade, if not, if not longer. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's certainly the most sudden education experiment that we've ever had, mm -hmm. uh, whether we want it or not. Um, 
And there's a lot of things we can learn right now about the future and we can reflect, et cetera. But while we're doing that, it is important to acknowledge that it is putting a different emotional strain on everybody involved. And, and that's where the, the well-being work really needs to come uh, front and center uh, for school leaders, is that while we are thinking about how this can influence us for the future, and while we're still tackling all the immediate operational priorities and needs and planning, whether everybody will have something to do next week or next month, uh, establishing clear emotional well-being support networks in the school is the only way how we can go through this uh, as, a, as a group together, as a community, uh, without kind of long-term trauma. Um, and, and that's something that when we asked staff members in particular, we saw that um, when we asked what, what support from the school leadership have you appreciated the most in this period, um, obviously health and safety guidance that, 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 that came high, communication was top, and emotional and well-being support and encouragement and providing feedback were the things that came much higher than methodological or admin support. And, and, and that's, that's the interesting bit is staff members said they appreciate the, just being kind of encouraged on much more than giving methodological guidance and giving support of, 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 of those aspects of the, the, the professional experience. Mm -hmm. And... And when we asked, what would you like more? We, we could say, well, maybe that was just the better, we were better at emotional support than we were at admin support. But when you ask staff members, what support you'd like more? There as well, emotional support came top uh, along with communication and, and, and feedback. And, and actually staff members said, we'd like more feedback through this. How, how are we doing, how, we're, how, we're, uh, how our work is uh, affecting the children? And that's, a clear message that as school leaders we need to support the professionals in our in our school emotionally first and professionally second because they have the professional skills but when we're facing the new experience um, we're not always emotionally prepared for that and that that is a that that is a key kind of key element of priority that does everybody know what emotional well-being support is available to them um, and that includes pupils, parents, and family, uh, families, as well as staff members. And, and actually, do they know that we appreciate their work? So the sense of being appreciated correlated very high with emotional well-being of staff members. So how often do you as a school leader say thank you for the work that everybody's putting in? That alone, just saying thank you, can have a massive positive impact on everybody's emotional well-being. Because when we're fighting through this, the sense that we, we know that we're not going to make all the right choices, we're not going to get everything right, but that our work is appreciated can help us massively navigate this better. That's a wonderful insight. And I think, too, for teachers that are listening to this, to acknowledge their, their senior leadership team as well and, and to to make sure that that's going both ways between between the senior leadership team to the staff and vice versa and but across everybody you know it's it's challenging times for everybody and i think those simple gestures of of acknowledgement and gratitude and kindness go a long long way they really do absolutely it's uh, it's the cheapest tool in the box of <laughs> of being able to support each other and, and of course it's not going to uh, solve all the challenges and we have very real challenges around uh, various pupil groups that are not engaging etc but when we're going through this experience being mindful of each other and supporting each other 
uh, takes a lot of the unnecessary load uh, off each other. It's really, I'm um, really heartened to hear the research shows that because you know it's it's almost instinctive. We would know that, but it's very heartening to see that the numbers, <laughs> the numbers bear that out. Absolutely, in many cases, research really just serves to 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 quantify common sense, if you will. Yeah. Uh, where, for example, when we previously did our staff well-being and working conditions research, that was in 2018 and 19, and that obviously continues. But uh, we found that, uh, well, leadership is the strongest correlating factor with staff likelihood of staying or leaving in their job. And again, it's something that is not surprise. You, you don't leave your job, you leave your manager. Uh, and, and that's a say, as the saying goes, but it was wonderful to see, to see that no education doesn't operate by different rules than everyone else. Uh, yeah. We see the same things that we yeah. feel instinctively to be true. Yeah, yeah. Ernest, is there anything else as we start to wrap up, anything else that you'd like to touch on? And we will certainly let people know where they can get their own free copy of this report. But um, before we wrap up, any other areas you want to touch on? Yeah, no, I think I think the, the research, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of interesting insights about kind of community and how leadership can support what kind of support is most helpful for staff members and parents. Uh, but I'm not going to talk through many data tables uh, for anyone interested in uh, in, in doing that. Uh, they're welcome to read that and uh, obviously get in touch with with any any follow-on questions. We're continuing to carry out research in, in this space, and uh, in, next month we'll be publishing a third report in the series, and that will be focused on technology use during this period of disruption, what technology tools work better, what didn't, uh, what challenges and devices uh, many staff members and pupils and parents faced. So it'll be a third re research, um, and I hope to be able to report uh, on, on, on that in, in, uh, and, and put together a research paper on that as well. And so we are continuing this work. And so stay tuned for further insights. And any, any sneaky insights already from your early, early data from that? <laughs> uh, I can give a, give a quick, snip, a quick uh, observation that was really interesting was that um, obviously the majority of teachers uh, experience new teaching tools in, in their experience. But actually, for the majority, they relied on a combination of existing ones and, uh, and new tools. So there's a lot of new technology that, ha that was tested and tried. So again, there's a massive experiment, if you will, in, in, in using technology. What was interesting was that three quarters of the staff members who experienced new technology said they would want to continue using it post-disruption. So a lot of the solutions that we found and saw could be useful beyond the current period. Now, schools will need to consider how that influences the budget and the various elements of teacher training, professional development to support their ability to use these tools. And that opens up a whole new discussion of what is education in a post-disruption world? Is there a hybrid model where some pupils, some pupils fared better. Uh, they felt their emotional well-being had improved during the, the summer term where they didn't experience bullying in a daily basis, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So uh, with this report uh, and with other reports to come from us and many others, uh, we need to keep reflecting on, already think about what we can carry forward uh, to support our work in, in the long run. Uh, because uh, while there is a current uh, massive cost to us all from this experience. I'm sure that many 
of these uh, elements of technology as well as working practices, we can take and adapt and make it a better experience for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. And one final question about um, some new research that you're doing around equality, diversity and inclusion. Can you tell us anything about that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, that's a research that we are uh, that we will be uh, formally launching uh, uh, over the next couple of weeks. Um, but obviously with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and other uh, social initiatives, the importance of equality and diversity in the workplace is more on everybody's agenda than it's, uh, it, it has ever been. And that's a very welcome uh, development. Um, and uh, to support that work, uh, we, we're launching a new project that, uh, that we all in the team feel very passionate about. Uh, it is to understand whether uh, all uh, staff members feel uh, fairly treated, uh, feel like in an environment where they can uh, identify with their colleagues, with their leadership team, whether they feel they have equal opportunities for career progression and whether they've been fairly treated in recruitment stage. And so we will be looking, we, we have designed a survey instrument in collaboration with Academies Enterprise Trust, uh, uh, which is a, a large uh, school group in, in the UK. And we will be looking to, uh, we will giving any school an opportunity to participate in this research for free. And we will be uh, again publishing a report early next year on the main themes supporting the equality. So whether all staff members are treated equally, diversity, which is whether there's diverse, diverse staff body on the staff, uh, but also on the leadership uh, supporting that of the school. Uh, and inclusion, whether everybody feels safe, valued, and respected, and and so that's a very very exciting project. So thanks thanks for mentioning that, and, uh, and we will be uh, reporting on that uh, early next year. And so for for anybody that might want to be involved, how how should they reach you, Ernest, to see if, to to join in with that piece of research? Uh, so uh, uh, well, uh, we will be putting together a page on the website that will explain how that uh, how any school can participate uh, but also if there's an opportunity to share my email address with the uh, with the webinar or uh, I, then anyone can get in touch with me directly and uh, I will be uh, very glad to uh, explain how, how people can join. Yeah, well, absolutely. If you're happy to share your email address, that's probably a good time and place to do it now if you'd like, and then we'll make sure it's in the show notes and on the, on the yeah, website as well. Yeah, absolutely. So anyone can get, get in touch with me as ernest.genovs, uh, so that's my name, dot surname, uh, at aduria.com. So, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, with any feedback from on our past research or interest in our pe- previous research, uh, I'll always love re- hearing from people in education who are passionate about the work. Great, great. Well, I've been speaking with Ernest Janavs and his website is home.edurio.com. Again, this is on our website. So if, you, if you're driving as you're listening to this or if you're cooking your dinner and um, you don't have a pen to hand, it's all on our website. You can connect with Ernest on Twitter at eJanavs. Ernest, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Now check out our website, pursuitwellbeing.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. And if you feel inspired, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. I love getting your feedback and learning how we can improve our program.